0: you're listening to a real piece of work. (laughs) That's probably not how I should say that. Take two. You're listening to a real piece of work, a jobs podcast for aspiring professionals brought to you by WVIK, Quad Cities NPR, and Junior Achievement of the Heartland. Here's your hosts, Matt and Melissa.
1: How are you
2: i'm doing great how are you today
1: i'm good it's so fun to be in a new place to do our podcast today um do you want to tell everybody where you've carted us this morning
2: well thanks to uh tom johnson marcus needham and jeff reynolds we're at deer davenport works today uh this is a little different for us because normally this podcast is done virtually we got people in rock island somebody sitting in some random part of the country or locally and then Melissa and I sitting in separate rooms looking at a computer, But so this is pretty awesome to be live in person uh, at Dear Damport Works. Normally these are podcasts that are talking to somebody about a career to let a high school student or a junior high student possibly know what it means to become an electrician, to become an engineer, to become whatever job they aspire to and so that they can reflect on it and say, wow, that sounds awesome, or my gosh, I have no interest in that. So we were fortunate enough with that help from that team I just referenced to get an opportunity to come to Deer Davenport Works to say, you know what, what does it mean to be literally out in the factory and have a program that gets people ready to be out on the factory floor? So we're fortunate today um, to have that in order to help our local employers, parents, educators and potentially in a perfect world, future employees of Deer Davenport Works uh, to hear what it means uh, and what opportunities are out there for everybody to be involved in an in awesome, awesome career opportunity uh, path. So uh, what we want to do here is welcome to program, Abby, Heath, and James from Deer Davenport Works.
3: Hi, my name is Abby Parsons. I have been here at Deere in the registered apprenticeship for a little over a year and out on the floor for a few months.
0: My name's Heath Palmer. I'm the uh, weld instructor for the HRAP program. I've been working for Deere for 16 years. Uh, I've been welding for 25 and I grew up in Davenport.
1: Oh, and I forgot to mention, one of the key audience members is my son, who is really in to John Deere, <laughs> so I mean you need to remember, like it's uh, you know it's even the little little kids among us who Absolutely. are excited about what they build in, in these places.
2: What is it that brought you initially to Deere? Welding's my passion.
0: It's, I'm a third generation welder. My dad taught me. I'm teaching my boys. Actually, one of my sons is in the program, and one of them works at Harvester.
4: My name is James Hodgkiss I'm the community integration coordinator at John Deere and in charge for bringing the Iowa Department of Labor high school program into Deere and spread into the other factories.
1: Can you tell us what it is for, for, for lay people like me who sure. don't know much at all? So the
4: high school registered apprenticeship program basically is students coming into the workforce working on their skills both the hard skills in this case welding and the soft skills that show up on time being able to communicate And while they're learning to get better, we start looking for how we can employ them after high school. They start right after their junior year. During that summer, they work 40 hours a week with us. Then when the senior year starts up, it's half a day at school, half a day at their host company. And right after that, they go back into 40 hours a week to finish the program or be hired as full-time employees, much like Abby has been.
1: 40 hours a week? that's nothing now <laughs> yeah so how was that to go from being a full-time student employed per you know em, you know person
3: that has a job and what did that feel like for you going from the program to being out on the floor actually was um not that not that difficult you would think that it'd be kind of a, a jump but the program is really intended to make it as smooth as possible transition so I went out onto the floor, I knew a lot of the guys I was working with already, kind of the lay of the land is just getting used to um, having more of a workload and staying busy constantly rather than being able to work on, you know, projects.
2: He, if you don't mind, tell us, so day-to-day, if I understand correctly, you're helping run this program, that the Registered Apprenticeship Program here at Deer Davenport Works. What does that mean for you day-to-day?
0: Uh, basically... My day starts off with first motivating. My whole goal is to get them, when they graduate this program, the ability to just walk into any job, anywhere, not just John Deere. This is a manufacturing program. So it's not just about getting them ready for us. Some of the kids don't want to get into production, which production welding versus like uh, fab welding. Fab welding's more of a day-to-day job. You, you, there's variety. There's there's different stuff you build. You build per job or whatever. Production is the same thing every day, but it's very rewarding financially, and it's it builds a good work work ethic. So that's pretty much my goal: is to get them ready, get them a good work ethic, and just get them to grow up before they get out there. Is what I try to do.
2: It's so you, all rewarding, so, I think. So you have to earn your stripes. Yeah. Much. Yep, you have yeah. Good time in. Well, I, I, I can relate. Having sat at a drill pe- press for multiple days, eight hours a day, putting literally holes in a quarter inch plates for eight hours a day. Uh, in the moment, it might not have been fun, but at the end of the day, I could see the result of my my work. And yeah. I that's that's why I got in the world I'm into, because you literally can see what you've done at the end of the day. Yeah. There's lots of great careers out there, but you're you're literally helping change the world with the product that you're pushing out the door. So one of my
0: favorite stories to tell these guys is when I was out on the floor, I built loader frames, which is a part of the loader. And one time, me and my sons were out of town, stopped at a gas station, and there was a truck with a loader on it. So me and my boys ran over and we looked, and it still had my stamp. It had my stamp on it. Wow. I built that part. But we're on the other side of Iowa. It was super cool, super rewarding.
2: So, so Abby, what inspired you to get involved with the program? And then, anything now? How many? How many months in? How many years in? Are you into this?
3: Welding in general. I've been welding since freshman year of high school. Okay. Uh, junior year, I went into vocational welding, which is dual enrollment through Scott Community College. So you earn credits through that, um, and they try and get you after your first year of vocational welding into some sort of apprenticeship, whether it be through Deer or one of the other companies in the program. It kind of followed the steps of the high school and. Obviously we did all of this right during COVID, right once it started. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of jumbled up and we didn't know if we were gonna have apprenticeships this year or well that year, and then how they were gonna work out and who was gonna be available. Um, and it wasn't many to begin with. Uh, we think we maybe had three hosts at that time through our specific program. My instructor texted me and said, hey, here's, you know, dear, you should apply for it. Um, you'll be one out of I think it was 18 that applied, they're going to take seven of you, you should apply and see if they'll work with you with your schedule. So I did and got an email a few weeks later saying that I got the position and that this is a start date and it didn't coincide with when I was done with my job for the summer. But fortunately they worked out with, they worked with me on that and I came the, you know one week, Friday. Done with my summer job that Monday, I was in the apprenticeship with Deer. So I just kind of followed the steps that my high school gave me and my vocational welding program gave me and it landed me at Deer. I didn't know that, you know, what my end goal was gonna be, that I was gonna end up welding for Deer, or, you know, if I was gonna end up welding anywhere, but it was my intention to get a job when I was done with it. Throughout the program, it came kind of obvious that we were gonna be able to be hired here at Deer and, you know, working more, towards that every day as far as welding goes and kind of taking it more seriously and growing up as far as Heath said. (laughs) As far as welding in general, my whole family is, you know, in the trades, they're roofers and iron workers and etc. So that was kind of always obvious to me that I was going to go into something like that. And yeah, now I'm here working at Deere as a welder, just waiting to see where it goes um that kind of makes me
1: think of you said like i had to you know learn like the adults like you know like that's hard right i feel like i'm still learning (laughs) um so um for you guys like what do you see for these um you know students teenagers who are coming coming in like what in what ways can the, our educators who are listening maybe help with some of you know some of that too right? How can we, um, you know, as educators, um, get your your students um, ready for life on the floor? Or are there other things that yeah. you're like? I really wish that the classroom would do this.
4: I, I yeah. think if, uh, if if schools and parents and society could help us with anything, it's it is we have to get everybody not just these students, to learn that being on time is important, mm. <laughs> that showing up is important. Society, we all need to put our phones down. And I, those are probably the biggest things. We also need to start getting away from everybody wins. So mm. when Heath has to tell somebody that their weld isn't the best, but here's how you could make it better, they have to be able to take some criticism. Yeah and unfortunately (laughs) we're we're, we struggle with that the rest of the stuff i think all of our students have been pretty good with the basics the teachers are doing what they can do and he does an amazing job bringing them the rest of the way yeah but a society show up be on time put that phone down and it's okay that you don't win the first time.
2: James, you just gave me visions of literally on Sunday handing medals to my eight-year-old soccer team in Muscatine, and they clearly were not in the top three. And so I, I sort of struggle with that but uh, and agree with what you're stating. So um, For another
1: podcast. Yeah, that's
2: another podcast. But for most of these podcasts, what we do is we always try to bring in a question from – the audience so to speak normally that's our junior and high school kids but today again we wanted to switch things up a little bit and james i'm going to direct this one at you it comes from michael legate from uths Um, and this is an educator so we heard a little bit about you know just understanding the culture on the floor but can you directly address uh, michael's question related to what are some deficiencies from maybe a, a, a education skill set that you would hope the educators could help with forget about the showing up on time i would hope that's a something that gets drilled into people but are, are there things in the classroom that they can be working on
4: teachers educators can could work on students finishing projects meeting their timelines definitely the professionalism being able to, to speak, knowing your audience, when is it okay to have that, sh- I call it street slang, mm. and when is it not okay?
3: Coming into the apprenticeship, you deal with some math problems that you think you would never find as far as going from high school algebra and geometry and then forgetting it after you know your finals are over. Um, I know my instructor in high school took every Friday morning and showed us kind of what I call industrial math and made us, you know, relearn decimals and the, you know, Pythagorean theorem and how to find slopes and, you know, Mm. et cetera, et cetera, which is something that we very much struggle with everywhere. (laughs) Like, um, I noticed that a lot of people coming into this type of field or any type of field in the trades just with a basic high school diploma, don't know, they don't know any type of industrial math. And I am not the best at it either. I'll say that. But my family grew up. I grew up kind of doing those things, so it kind of was just in my head. And I think that we kind of take that for granted with some people. Um, and instructors, especially in you know construction classes, welding classes, etc., can take the you know 20 minutes a day to kind of present problems and show them how to work them out that apply to their trade.
0: Yeah. Uh, to add to that, what she was saying, there's. Like I said, there's, there's production welding, then there's fab welding. When you're in fab welding, you, you have to know math. You have to be able to break things down. You have to be able to figure out dimensions and things. Production welding, especially here at Deere, so you can just come in and produce. So coming out from high school, like she was saying, it, it's real important that you understand the, the basic math for construction. We were talking earlier, the, you know everybody wins, doesn't always work. You, know? it's, you gotta learn to lose or fail. And I tell the kids, you know, it's not a failure if you learn from it. It's a lesson. That's kind of how I try to teach them what we do.
3: Yeah, I liked our uh, Saturday competitions yeah. that we did because, uh, what, every Saturday we would take a student and have them build a competition piece to where they could put Wherever any, they any type of welds, any type of grinding. You know, they can build anything within, you know, something we can carry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that Saturday, we were offered you know, Saturdays to work when we were on you know, 20 hours a week. And we would come in and we would have to build that two dimension and you know, two weld specification and grind our parts, you know, whatever it was, fab it up, right? And then we would go through at the end and line them all up and Heath would go through and you know, judge them and then everybody else would look and they'd say, well, we think you know, these are, this is how we would rank them. This is how we'd rank them, and then Heath would go and, you know, look it over, and you know, one person would be the winner, obviously, and one, somebody would be the loser. The winner got to choose the next project for the next week and make it, so sometimes there was some revenge (laughs) there, but um, I learned a lot from them. I lost a few of them, and I didn't hear the end of it. (laughs) Uh, You know, always, you know, having that higher expectation with yourself, and um, I don't know, I think that kind of having a little bit of competition is good rather than everybody just is in their own arena. Well sometimes you gotta put them together.
1: Well and I think uh, what I'm just hearing too is like it's not all work. There's a little fun, a little little play. I I I don't
0: want them to lose interest. I don't want them to get bored.
1: Yeah that's a good thing. We
0: try to come up with stuff on the side. I mean (laughs) obviously what I'm trying to teach them is the most important but when they get to a point where Right, she's done all this, but they're still kind of lagging behind. All right, you can go do this. You can go make something, you know, just make something, whatever you want to do. Usually they got to pitch the idea to me if I yep. think it's cool or good or worth doing, go do it, you know, and it keeps them wanting to do it, you know, and teenagers, they lose interest real fast. So you really got to keep them, especially coming in, doing the same welds over and over oh, again until yeah. they perfect them. Sure. I'm real particular nitpicky well but you're good right (laughs) it works it makes great welders so far every welder we've had come out better than what we hire off the streets
2: awesome
1: so another question from the audience Um, this is from Patrick Arnold in Dubuque and he said it seems that manufacturing is one of those areas that isn't promoted well within the high school curriculum What is your advice for showcasing careers and generating interest in advanced manufacturing to promote it at an earlier age?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Promoting manufacturing at an early age is largely what my role at John Deere is. But other companies can get involved, schools can get involved, it's pretty simple. You just need to send somebody from the floor, don't send the office workers out to talk to these students. Let somebody that does the work go talk to students and just, students are smart. Tell them the truth, this is what it is, this is what it's looked like. You can bring real pictures from the shop floor. Companies need to open up their doors more and allow the community to come in and see what they're doing. Right before COVID, we had 1,000 of the 1,100 seventh graders in Davenport schools come through our factory. Every month we had a career fair going for them. That opened up the eyes to a 1,000 students of other possibilities that were out there. Companies need to work together, right? 10 years ago, would uh, you guys from Russell be sitting in our, our conference room talking about this? Wouldn't have been. So we need to work together to promote the trades. We need schools to stop looking at just one company or just one big company realize that all these companies are out there they're all looking for a talented pipeline and let us come in and speak to students let us come in and be honest with students and that's what we could do to help get manufacturing out there You're
2: raising the collective water to, so everybody can win so i, I love that um and it, it dovetails perfectly into a question from one of actually one of our students this is eric shoesmith from uths who's also enrolled in the acc manufacturing technology class and Eric wants to know what newer emerging manufacturing techniques are you most interested in, or think will become more
4: prominent in the future. So I'm going to start a little bit on that. Some of the new things coming out is the uh, additive manufacturing, 3D printing. That is huge. Because you, if you don't know, you can print about anything. Uh, you can you can print in metals and have it ready to go. You have printers. That print the part and machine the part all in one station. But then with welding, and I think this is where I'll hand it off to Heath because he is way more qualified than I am on this, there's some pretty cool weld tools coming out right with helmets and smokeless guns.
0: Yeah in welding about
4: the only technology you can improve on
0: is the safety of it
4: mm. and
0: the efficiency of it. So robotic welding that's huge and it's pretty much taken over. But with that said, robots can't adapt like we can so there's always going to be a need for manual welders as well. Um, John Deere's real big on on our safety and, and health. So we have some real high dollar hoods they bought us that have filters built in, HEPA filters. We don't have to breathe, all that stuff. Um, the other thing is, is like he was saying, the smokeless guns, we've, we've got some technology out there that has actual ventilation built onto the gun. So it's drawing the smoke away from there too. Just the robots themselves, they're getting to the point where we as welders, we go in and do the easy stuff now, and they do all the hard, long welds and the, the stuff that really takes it out of you throughout mm-hmm, the day. Mm-hmm. You know, the longer you lay a bead, you have to keep your muscles a certain way, and it, it's, it's physically demanding. She was just talking today, starting to get bigger <laughs> biceps, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, not on that for you, lifting heavy steel all day, and you know, you're holding that, that gun, that gun probably weighs 25, 30 pounds.
3: And you're holding it in ways that you don't usually yeah, use your body. Yeah, weird positions.
0: Bottom. So you're, you know, you're not used to having your arm extended out like that for five minutes while you slowly move it like that. You mm-hmm. know, It takes a little bit out of you, but in the end, you get a strong back, you get strong arms, you get a hell of a grip, right? Yeah. Um,
1: Follow Heath for more fitness tips, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> hashtag welding, welding, welding hashtag <laughs> welding fitness. Okay, I think we're coming in on a couple last questions, and we don't want to keep you all day. Exciting things to do, it sounds like. Um, This is from Kevin Toft, he is the Um, I think he's the Chief Revenue Officer at ALM Positioners. Um, And he asks, as an employer that is interested in participating in the apprenticeship programs, what have been the challenges with integrating apprentices into the working environment, which we kind of talked a little bit about. He had a second question, tag on. What have been the concerns and plans to deal with union rules, business insurance requirements, and employee work rules?
4: Just teed that up for you. (laughs) That's a
2: (laughs) long question there. So the
4: first part was... uh, Bringing, bringing students into the workforce. You know, I, I think Keith would agree with this. When we started this program, we didn't know how our coworkers were gonna react. We didn't know if it was gonna be positive. Our workforce, the workforce at other companies, they're very supportive of this. We, we all know somebody that, that is looking for a job. We all have kids, grandkids, nieces and nephews that we, if they wanna come into this work type of environment, we're supportive of. And our workforce is willing and wants to teach. There's nothing funner than watching somebody say, yeah, of course, I'd love to show them how I do this cool weld, or how the machine does this. So where where people were thinking that they'd be a little guarded, no, they just want to teach. Everybody, when they they get asked, how do you do this, everybody wants to show how they do it, and wants to show their skill set. Now, the, the union rules, that was, gonna, that was a hard thing for us. We had to figure that out, and quite honestly, that came right back to the same thing. The union wants to show the, the community what they're about and what they do, and we wanna educate young people. Uh, much like companies, for a long time, we've, we've been a little closed off. So by allowing people to come in, young people, students, to come in and learn what a union really is, not what the perception of them are, along with companies that allow students to come in and see what they really do and not their perception, the union gets the opportunity to grow and have a better understanding out in our community.
2: Can you speak to uh, the, the age requirements or restrictions?
4: Sure, yeah, thanks, for, I, I sometimes forget about that. No, that's right. The uh, general rule used to always be, you have to be 18 years old. Well. If you're in a registered apprenticeship program, you can be 16 years old. So as long as a company goes to the Department of Labor, registers, the school registers, you can have a 16 year old in. Now there are a couple hard rules, no overhead powered lifting devices and no motorized vehicles. But the rest of that, they are employees, so you can bring somebody in at 16. We had to go to uh, insurances, not just ours, but we talked to other companies with insurance because everybody thought, well, you can't do it and they wouldn't be covered. Well, if you're paying them and the Iowa Department of Labor does say that we have to pay, they are are employees, so they're covered. There's no change. So uh, some of that I think is just the handed down rumor from 100 years ago. Uh Somebody says you can't because you're 18, you can't because of insurance. But when you actually open up the book and you actually look and educate yourself or go find people smarter than yourself to help educate. Those are all just uh, wise tales out there that once we've disproven them, we've managed to figure out how this program works.
1: So last question for each of you, just to, you know, we usually kind of wrap up with this, is like, what's like the one thing, you know, for students listening to this, parents, that they, that you would say, this is my biggest piece of advice if, if you're gonna go into this field or you're gonna look into this with your high school guidance counselor your you know you said like your you know your educator who was really helping you navigate this process what's like the one piece of advice that you would give them today
4: the one piece of advice I would have if you're a student looking at any job doesn't matter if it's manufacturing or in the salary uh, yeah in the salary field go to your counselors go to your teachers Find some way, somebody to job shadow. That way, you get a real honest look at what the jobs are before you start down that path. And then the side to that would be look at what the employability is. And I, I think that was would be my advice to how you do that.
0: Just go into your adulthood open-minded and find your passion because we all know if you love what you do, it's not work. Um, Abby's a welder at heart, so am I. It's what we do, and we love it. Otherwise, it becomes a job, and it and it makes it hard to get up in the morning. Find your passion.
3: I would say, as a high schooler, it's kind of hard to imagine your life in 10, 20 years. But kind of take a look at what goals you want. You know, one of my biggest goals was I want to, you know, build my own house. I want. I don't want to, you know, buy a house. I want to build my own house and you know I had other goals other than that but take a look at you know what you want later in life your quality of life how you want to live where you want to live that type of thing and go into programs and things that will be in the best interest of that whether that's I'm gonna go and not have any student loans and go into manufacturing or I'm gonna go to college and be the next VP of some huge company because that's what you know That's what aligns with my life goals Um, and it's hard to imagine that when you're, you know, 16, 17, 18, but just, you know, think first start with like quality of life. How do you want to live? Do you want to live like your parents lived? Do you want to live better, worse? You know, just kind of, kind of go along those lines and everything else falls in place.
1: Well, congratulations on your success and knowing what you want at such a young age because it's really awesome and what an inspiration for our listeners.
2: So Abby, Heath and James, thank you very much. Thanks to the collective Dear Davenport works for allowing us to come in here and allowing a real piece of work, the job podcast for young people to uh, be brought into the facility here today. And hopefully, uh, you know, some of our listeners are inspired by everything we heard today. So thank you all very much.
3: Thank you for having us.